Artist.io. Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. We are back here with episode 38. I am your host, Kyle Creasy, and today I am joined by a good friend of mine, Stephen Kagan, aka NBA University, aka the fastest NBA Twitter account, growing Twitter account and that there's been in the last nine months. Stephen, what's up, man? Hey, man, just chilling, uh, living the dream, watching basketball and uh, just trying to keep this thing going. You know, got to live up to that name of the fastest growing account in uh, NBA Twitter. Well, it's it's definitely true. Um, you know, last <laughs> time I had you on, uh, it was over the summer. We were talking about it before we got on here. I think it was like June or July. Mm-hmm. And we, we were talking about how you were rapidly growing at that time and you were at 19,000. And now... Here we are, and as of today, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. You're at fifty-five thousand followers. So, um, you know, at the time when you were on, you were doing some writing for Orlando Magic Daily. You had a job mm-hmm. with Texas BSM. You were still out in Texas. We were talking before. How's life changed for you since? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot has a lot has changed for sure. I live in a different state. I'm back in Florida, which is where my family was from. Uh, my wife's family is from as well. So. Uh, Moved back near family because I got a remote job. Um, So I'm working for Swoops, which is a uh, like basketball Web3 game uh, company. I got hired on there to do some marketing and brand strategy and content creation and partnerships and every other thing that they need me to do. Uh, So I've been doing that. That's been awesome. Uh, they treat me well over there. And then, yeah, I'm just uh, just grinding on this thing. NBA University podcast launched. So that's been cool. You inspired me, you know, with your with your pod. I was like, hey, maybe I can do this. <laughs> uh, but it's been good. It's been good, man. It's just been uh, been trying to keep uh, one upping myself as far as the content goes. I want to just keep getting better. Got some more stuff in the works coming down the pipe uh, that I'm excited about. So life's been good. Yeah, it's it's been fun as a longtime follower to see kind of the evolution of like what you post now compared to like what it used to be. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's definitely gotten a little a little prettier. You know, it's gotten a little <laughs> more expensive looking, <laughs> but but the heart is still there, and I think it always will be. Hopefully, until I sell this for a million dollars, that's my hope. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, first topic. Let's get straight into it. A trade, the second trade of the season happened. The first one of real importance. Um, Rui Hachimura to the Lakers. Rui was traded to the Lakers for Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks. Um, initial thoughts on the move. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a pretty cheap price for a flyer on like a young, pretty talented ex lottery pick, you know, like three seconds, he's 24. Like he he has been relatively disappointing, I would say. I wasn't yeah. huge on Rui coming into the draft, like as a prospect in general. Um, just it's kind of like tweener in a bad way. Where like there's this there's this idolization now of like versatility um in the NBA, which is totally valid. I think being versatile is is a huge skill. Uh, but Rui is kind of like the bad kind of tweener where it's like he doesn't really fit as a wing, he's too slow. Uh, but he doesn't really fit as a big because his defense isn't really up to snuff to be a big. Um, he's not quite physical enough. So he's got some issues for sure. It's not like he's perfectly polished. His shooting is even down a tiny bit this season to uh, last season. But I don't know. I mean, like he's still a six eight. He can still move. I like his ball handling some. Some of his self-creation is really fun to watch. Like he can get into his mid-range and uh sort of just give the Lakers an element of like 
secondary scoring creation because they have like well if they're all healthy right they have anthony davis doing his thing lebron's obviously doing his thing and then westbrook is off the bench sort of leading that unit but then everybody else is pretty just like hey just shoot threes or like lonnie walker's like hey just run in transition like there's no other like outlet in the half court uh for for them to have any sort of offensive pop i mean like Thomas Bryant, like he's kind of just doing like cleanup duty and some trail threes. Like there's no one really that can kind of put the ball in the deck, attack a closeout. Uh, Austin Reeves can play make a little bit, but that's not really his thing either. So I think that's where where Rui will be helpful. Um, he's going to be helpful in being able to create for himself a little bit or be able to just kind of make his own offense going coast to coast. And I think that'll be a helpful addition to Lakers. I don't really know what their plan is per se. I mean, like, I, I mean, I guess this is like to win right um <laughs> but I, I he's in his last year of his contract so they're gonna have to sign him so i don't really know as far as like long-term vision if this is a good move or not but i like adding Rui for sort of nothing i don't really i don't really mind that at all yeah um you know as soon as i saw it i was kind of thinking like at first i was like eh, but then i was like i mean i'm not super high on it still but i just think like player for player or whatever, it's obviously like an upgrade. Like Kendrick, Nunn, yeah, Kendrick, uh, yeah. Kendrick Nunn with a full roster is was completely out of the rotation. Right. Like, and I think that it definitely helps them in a few areas, but I'm not so sure that like it actually helps the areas of need. Um, you know, like you kind of mentioned, he's going to help them in transition. I think that there's half court scoring there that the team kind of could use at times, especially maybe off the bench. And I do think another area that might be underrated, even though he's not been a super good defender or anything, is at least now instead of some of these three, four guard lineups. Yeah, this is big. Six, eight, there's a six, eight guy that's like mm-hmm. guarding him. I mean, to be determined if that's actually that helpful or not, but it, <laughs> it sounds better. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think where this might become a little bit of a struggle is you're now putting a guy in that to really be successful in his career has had to be fairly high usage. It's um, true and operate really in the mid-range, and you're pairing that with three of the more higher usage guys in the NBA wide. I mean, I guess you could say in the long-term plans, Russ is probably not there, and so maybe Rui's viewed as like third usage guy going forward, but I don't know. I'm just talking about for now. Um, The shot diet is just a ton of mid-range, and and with that that usage stuff, I don't know how well that really fits fits even though right. it's improvement half court scoring um i've always thought that like he's he's okay he's above average from the mid-range but it's not enough to justify like running your offer sure. through him <laughs> um, definitely and then definitely. something that also really worries me i know he shot like really well from three last year but just throughout his career and this year specifically not been a particularly good three-point shooter and right. this season, he is actually just below 34 percent and 100 percent of his threes are assisted on Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not like he's, you know, creating or anything and it's right. still below league average. Um, also shout out clean the glass for these stats. Um, I, you know, I think he has the body and the tools to be a high level defender. He stays in front, but it's just like, you got to go with what you see. And it's not, it does, it's not been very good to this point. Um, you know, Woj kind of said that like the Lakers are planning to resign him. Um, I don't, that number, I don't know. I remember like in, in October or whatever, right. they didn't come to an extension agreement. And basically he, I don't remember how it worked, but he, 
he wanted probably somewhere, if I had to guess, in like the 18 million range, and Washington wasn't willing to give it. I don't remember the exact number, but it was something like that. And yeah, I mean, I think the biggest question for me is you re-sign him, you don't really get to play the free agency game anymore. And that's not to say that they would have hit on anything or would have done anything, but considering a Russ move never happened or whatever, I kind of thought that was at least somewhat in the plans. Right. That takes it out. So what are your thoughts on like that post this season if it if he were to be re-signed? Yeah, that's one of those ones where I think you almost have to just bank on him giving a little bit of a hometown, like, well, not hometown discount, but just like, a, hey, I get to play with LeBron and compete. Yeah. Maybe I'll, 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 you know, stay here for cheaper uh, than like, you know, to keep me in Washington. Yeah, give me give me 20 mil and I'll stay in Washington. But maybe if like the culture's good and he kind of fits and he gets the he, you know, gets to have other people create for him and maybe he finds a role where he's uh, a little lower you usage and a little higher efficiency and he and he kind of likes that and he's like he's like crappy Tobias Harris and uh he just enjoys life and I think that's plausible but yeah I don't know I, I the one thing is like the risk is low right oh Three yeah second round picks they're not going to use the Lakers don't they're not going to use their second round picks and like have those guys turn into you know well, uh, contributing Marks, players so yeah Bobby Marks pointed out too like you know, this isn't a team that just had their seconds. Like they had about seven or eight seconds stacked up, and like one of yeah, the, they did. One of the right. seconds that was shipped over was a twenty twenty eight second that actually came over from the Wizards and the Russ deal anyway. So it's like <laughs> that's funny. And so yeah, like yeah, so it's low risk. It's one of those like all right, if it works out really well, like we can resign him, and if it doesn't work out at all, then it's kind of it didn't really pay that much mind. That's why I didn't mind the deal because it's just like all right, like. I, I appreciate a good low risk deal. Like Hendrick Nunn was awful for them. Oh yeah. So yeah, let's take a shot on Rui. He's at least a little toolsy. You know, we could see if he could turn into something. Yeah, for sure. It's it is very low risk, and there is some definitely even if it's not high reward reward to say the there's least. some reward. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think that's kind of it on that. I guess my thing would be like if you had to grade that move, what would you grade it on both sides? Yeah, I mean, for for the Lakers, I mean, it's like a solid B plus. Like, you know, I don't think again, like we said, like the you know the ceiling there is pretty mediocre. But again, if it's low risk and there's any type of ceiling, then sure, that's a pretty nice trade for Washington. I mean, it's a bummer. It's one of those ones where hey, we're not going to resign him. We know we're not going to resign him, so we're just going to ship him out and get some seconds, and maybe that's fodder for a trade in the future. Um, so, I mean. I feel like it's more of like a seed just because it's a bummer that you had turned a lottery pick into, you know, a bunch of second rounders and Kendrick Nunn. That's not ideal, but it's fine. It is what it is. It's pretty funny that the Lakers are just like the Wizards now. Yeah. Just the Wizards plus LeBron and AD. <laughs> Troy Brown, Rui, Thomas Bryant. Who am I missing? Uh, Russ. Russ. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That whole team that went to the playoffs that year is it's just the, uh, the Los Angeles Wizards. So. That's something that's exciting. That might even bump them up to an A minus just because it's funny. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's just uh maybe that's just like a hint towards some Beal trade this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was saying that's that's Rob Polinka's next target. Yeah, all all jokes. But my, my initial thoughts were I, I was like C plus Lakers, but then I was like, you know, it really can't there's not like a bad scenario out right. of this. And so I I kind of bumped it up. I'm like B minus B. I can't really decide. Yeah, that's cool. Um the Wizards, I'm with you. It's a C right now. Now, two things I'm looking for. One is Kyle Kuzma. And if they mm -hmm. don't maintain Kuz, this trade is even worse. And, yeah. and or 
if they flip these seconds into some kind of heavily protected first or something. I mean, if right. they are able to do something like that, then it's like, okay, you got a first, at a least minor a win. Yeah. Right. Out of Rui. Like then I'm like, okay, you know, it's cool, but they've not like gotten anything useful out of it really, especially considering their draft history in the second round. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not really in the lottery team. even. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> drafting history in general. I mean, yeah. I'm, one of their lottery picks this past year will be talking oh about. Oh my God, at dude. Point. That's been a disaster too. He was talked about on the last pod as well, but uh, yeah. So Wizards drafting, not very good. So it's TBD for now, I guess. I think my biggest thing is the Kuzma situation. Um, so We'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I mean, like I just said, we might talk about the last Wizards uh, lottery selection, but that branches us into let's talk about rookies. I think we're deep enough in the yeah. season to at least start having a conversation about them at this point. Obviously, we don't want to. I think there's one rookie that we're going to talk about first in particular that I think it's okay to overreact to. Um, pretty much everybody else, I think it's like, hey, cool like glad you're doing good but it's one of those things you know don't don't heavily overreact as well as if right. struggling again don't heavily overreact overreact don't go oh my is this guy going to even succeed in the nba but it's worth it's worth talking about and the first one that i'm talking about it's pretty obvious we talked about him on the pod when you came on and talked about the magic over the summer he was both of our rookie of the year favorite and that's paolo bancaro who literally could probably sit the rest of the season and still win the award. <laughs> um, this guy's been awesome. I know you've definitely paid attention to him as much as anybody being a magic fan. Um, you know, he's averaging 21 points, seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, um, 44% from the field, 32% mm-hmm. on three, 76% from the free throw line. I just kind of like that. He's taking threes. You know, it doesn't look bad uh, when he does it. I like, agree. I'm not just sitting there going, Oh, this doesn't look good. Like I'm actually kind of like hopeful, like with what he's doing. Right. Um, you know, he's playing big minutes and still being able to like put up some numbers like that, which is good. I don't think they're empty at all either. Um, mm-hmm. to this point, he has four 30 plus point games, eight 25 plus point games, 25, 20 plus point games after his 20 after his 23 point outing against Boston Crazy. last night. Um What's to like about Paolo so far? Obviously, it's just him as a player, but, I mean, what's the stuff that you're seeing and you're like, this makes this guy this good? It's a good question. I mean, what's not to like, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that might be the, the tougher question to answer. I mean, he's been he's been awesome. It's it's pretty well documented at this point. We went through, like, a nice stretch where there were 5 billion uh, viral posts about why Paolo isn't getting enough attention. And now I feel like, okay, like, I feel like he's, he's probably getting an adequate – amount of attention if those are all going viral but he's been great i mean i think things that stand out right are the consistency has been really crazy like you just don't see 20 year old nba players consistent what'd you say 25 20 point games like that's ridiculous that's like (laughs) that's what all stars do you know and and that's something that's been really great to see he never really gets too high or too low. Like his mentality has been really impressive for me. He's competitive. Um, I love his interviews. That's been something I've been keeping a tab on. Like he's just, he's such an aware and like normal and like analytical person. Um, he clearly like thinks about things and thinks about himself and sort of understands his standing and who he is. Uh, and where he needs to improve and what the team needs to do. And every time I've heard a soundbite, I've been really impressed by 
just how what his mentality is and just how he thinks about the game. I think that's going to serve him super well long term. And you could see it translate onto the court. He's been aggressive. I think the most incredible thing about his offensive game is how often he gets to the free throw line, which is that kind of goes without saying. I believe he's top 15 in the NBA and uh 97th percentile in yeah. drawing fouls and 19.3% of his shot attempts he draws fouls on. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're and they're very like ethical fouls as well. Like it's not yeah, the yeah. uh it's not the grifting that you know the Harden <laughs> and the Trey Young are doing. It's very I, I heard this, I, I can't remember who said it, but I thought it was really good. It was like that it's kind of Jimmy Butlery, actually, the way he uh draws contact and just uses his physical strength to pretty much force the defense to foul him if they're going to stop him. Okay. Uh, but to be able to control his body in that way and like bend the defense to his will as a 20 year old, that's one of those things where it's like, Oh my God, dude, like when he's 26, 27, that's going to be some, he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be all NBA, like flirting with the first team, all NBA kind of guy. I think, like, I think he's going to be a top, top 10 guy um, because that's the sort of stuff that you can't, you can't just manufacture that, you know, that, that just needs to be there. That just needs to be part of the package and to have it so young is, is incredibly impressive. Some of the shot making stuff is good right, right now. And and the middle, the mid range, it's not elite efficiency and that's not something you're ever really going to find uh, too often in a rookie and that's okay. But he, like you said, he's getting shots up. They're within the flow of the offense. They look good. Uh, he's balanced. Forced. And what was that? Like, like very, very little with Palo is forced. Exactly. Yeah. Everything is just smooth and easy. And that's the thing. This is where I was going to like the climax of it all, I think, is his playmaking is awesome. Like, I think it's really, really, really impressive uh, in transition. Dude is so fast uh, that teams are just forced to collapse on him. They're either going to foul him or he's kicking out to a to a three point shooter. Uh, and even in the half court, he's been running some pick and roll and it looks good. Like he's able to sort of puppet master a little bit. And that's. That's crazy. He's hitting these like the weak side, like kind of looping passes to the corner, like these things that, you know, great players do. And I don't think he's on that like LeBron Luca level of just like savant uh, level playmaker. But I he's like he's further along than Tatum was in like Tatum's early years. And he was oh, further yeah. along than like Booker was in Book Booker's early years. And like these guys have turned into like capable, if not like really good um playmakers and i think he's going to be slightly better than that and that's going to be what really sets him apart as a superstar later on down the road is uh that playmaking is, is super super impressive yeah and you know i'm I'm not gonna sit here and say that he's gonna be lebron james one day but like analytically <laughs> right but like analytically and like looking at com like comparable numbers and stuff it is a lebron james rookie season like it's crazy it's, it's essentially what it is like when you actually go back and look at lebron's rookie year which, yeah, to your like what you just said is crazy. Like it's unprecedented. Um, you know, a few things that I wanted to highlight specifically, uh, 1.152 points per possession on post-ups, including passes, which is in the 82nd percentile. I, I don't know, man. For a guy to be like really taking advantage of the post mm -hmm. that well as like as a rookie is just again crazy, like everything else. I almost feel like I'm saying with this guy. <laughs> and something that I went and like watched was you know, I'm looking through Synergy and cleaning the glass, trying to find certain things. And on Synergy, Paolo's in the 88th percentile in defending ISOs. And, I mean, I don't think he's, mm -hmm. like, the greatest defender. There's things to learn. He's got a big offensive load. But the tools are there, and he's using them. Like, he's done a mm -hmm. pretty good job overall. And, like, I went and watched, and 
he's holding these opponents on these his 38 possessions total and he's holding them to 32.1% from the field and yeah. I, I actually pointed I actually picked out 20 particular um ones of those 38 possessions I went and went and watched all the possessions um 20 of those came from CJ McCollum, John Morant, uh Shea Gildas Alexander three times, LeBron, Trey Young four times, Jason Tatum, wow. Kawhi, Pascal Siakam two times, Darius Garland, DeJounte Murray, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Luka Doncic. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, and, <laughs> and in those 20 where I got all those, like if you're talking if they got fouled or if they scored or anything, the success rate was 45% out of 20. Like that's awesome. Yeah. I Like I, I was just very intrigued as I went through that. Um like if this dude can be a stud on both ends, like that only adds more to what you're kind of talking mm-hmm. about him being like an all NBA guy one day, like no doubt. Um, and then I kind of want to just talk about like, kind of like Paolo and magic both here a second. Mm. Um, this is, like I said earlier, this isn't empty numbers. Like Paolo just want to get this out of the way. Paolo plus Bobo is terrible. Okay. <laughs> but but when Bobo is out, and I'm not even trying to like hate on Bobo, I'm just kind of going off what I see and what's also being right. in front of me with numbers. Palo without Bobo is good, and Palo without Bobo and the front court that me and you talked about over the summer of Palo, Franz, and Wendell, amazing, is awesome. Yeah, it's three when they're on the court together, it's plus nine point four net rating, and almost. I mean, they're they're getting close to a thousand possessions played together and are, and are getting like, that's really good. I think it just also kind of goes to show like where this team really might be if it weren't for some injuries. I know you can say that about Mm -hmm. a lot of teams, but to be able to say that about a team as young as the magic is just even crazier. And when Fultz is on the floor and 345 possessions with that group of three, also as like a group of four, that's one of the best lineups in the NBA, like those four together. It's a plus Mm -hmm. 17.7. And then with Gary Harris, it's one of the best starting lineups in the league, lineups in general. Um, So how do you feel going forward? Obviously good, but I mean, like talking more about it, about both Paolo and this group as they go forward. Are they they the best young core in the league? Are they one of the best? How do you feel about them? I mean, listen, you can't get me – you can't get me started on the Magic. We're going to (laughs) be here for like three and a half hours. But, yeah, I mean, every good lineup the Magic has, Paolo is a part of – and Franz and Wendell, like those guys are, those guys are great. Pal and Franz, especially. I mean, that's just, dude, they're so good. It's really, I've been watching magic basketball for, for a long, long time. And man, I have not been this excited, um, man, for like probably ever as a fan, because the Dwight days were great, but it was just a little early for me to like fully appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and now I'm just like, it's just been terrible for 10 years. And now here we are with these two guys. And like, I adore Franz. Anybody that follows NBA university knows that Franz is my, my guy. Uh, but those two together, two just absolutely enormous guys who can initiate offense. Powell's defense, like you said, like really impressive. That was my scouting report of him coming in as a rookie was every time I watched him on tape, he's pretty lazy or maybe lazy strong. He's sleepy is the word I like to use. Uh, he's a little sleepy defensively in rotation. Some of the PNR stuff is a little weak. Uh, he doesn't like kind of guide cutters super well. And like he'll, he'll allow um, some easier finishes at the rim than maybe he should with the guy's size. But every time I watched him have that matchup perimeter 
ISO with somebody, he was always really good. Like he takes that challenge super well. I um, mean, he's so athletic and big that it makes sense that he would be able to. So if he buys in on that end long-term, I think he can, I don't think he'll ever be, you know, crazy shutdown, but I mean, how many times I've said this a million times, but how many times are we going to get tricked by like huge, super athletic wings that are kind of just lazy in college and put in the wrong position. Like they're played as centers or power forwards like Tatum and Ben Simmons, who are both considered to be like not great defenders coming into the NBA. And then they come into the NBA and then they're great defenders because they're big giant wings who are really athletic. So like, that is like, that is a prerequisite to being a good, def like a great defender is size and athleticism. And he has it. So as long as he buys in on that end, like he could be a, just like a super duper star. I don't, again, I don't think he'll even be like Tatum on defense long-term because like Tatum improved a ton, uh, but it's not impossible. And the fact that it's not impossible is just like, man, sky's the limit yeah. for him and the magic and whatever they're going to do long-term. But I think it's, it's trending in a really exciting direction. Yeah. Um, Paolo, I think it's, like I said, it's say it's very, very safe to say that dude's winning rookie of the year. Like I said before, I don't care if he didn't play another game the rest of the season that awards his, Anyway, Magic, awesome young core, Palo, rookie of the year, been incredible. That's a star in the making, if not close to a star already. Um, looking at the next group of guys in this rookie class, obviously uh -huh. Palo's in a tier of his own. How many would you consider in the next tier? How many would you put in that Ooh. group? So is this as a player this season, or is this as a projecting forward long-term? Let's go this season. Ooh, okay. So in the next tier this season, um, probably two. Okay. I'm not sure. Well, there's, I there's, have, there's I have, arguments. I have five, and honestly, one of them, I probably have too much of a soft spot for as it keeps <laughs> going, but I am very – part of it is I'm probably a, a little too high on him long-term, but, yeah, I have five. Um, You tell me your first one. So – my first and second, I think who, as far as impact goes, who I think the second best rookie this season has been, I think it's Walker Kessler. That's my choice. He's, he's in my group. I don't have these mm -hmm. technically ranked. They're just in tiers, and he is in my group. Yeah. I think he's just already an elite rim protector, <laughs> which is, again, that's crazy. Like, that doesn't happen very often. We already <laughs> sort of had that happen with Mobley last year. Um, his numbers this year are already a little bit better than Mobley's were last year. Uh, Mobley has a little bit more of that defensive ceiling because he's going to be more switchable long term and he's he's going to be able to he's going to be amazing. But Walker just as like a pure drop defender is I mean, he's like a top five <laughs> rim protector in the league right now. So yeah, I yeah. think that it, that has been incredibly impressive. Yeah, um, Walker's in the 98th percentile in block percentage. I think he's blocking like five percent of the shots that go up or whatever, which is it's wild. <laughs> doesn't even make sense. <laughs> um He's actually – this is what I kind of like about him. It's kind of underrated, too. I think he's a really good rim runner. He's in the 96th percentile. Yeah, he's great hands. Um, he's he's super good. Just like – I feel like whenever it comes to these, like, big guys that are just deep drop defenders that are also kind of, like, diving to the rim, setting screens, it is kind of underrated sometimes. It gets, like, put under the rug that, like, you just need a guy who's going to finish all of his looks around the rim, and this dude shoots right. And, like, that's awesome – um, and then just the last thing, like you said, he might be the second most impactful rookie. It's like, it's a plus six in net in terms of on off with Kessler on the floor. Yeah. Like his impact 
been very clear for anyone who has watched the Utah Jazz in any capacity this season. As, as a starter this year, Kessler, 13 games, averaging almost 11 points, 10 rebounds, two blocks, 70% from the field. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, you can't want any more from him. And that's the one. It's hilarious because in the pre-draft process, I was diving in real deep. Um, I was de- I was a huge I was a Chet and Paolo guy. Like those were my two, which I'm not breaking any news. I mean, those were, uh, the, you know, the top two picks that like, but like I had them very clearly to me on their own tier, like very clearly. Um, and like Jabari and them, like, I thought that was all kind of just like the, a next step down. Uh, so whenever, you know, the rumors were flying that Jabari was going one, I was a little bit stressed out, but you know, we're in a good place. Um, but Chet's, uh, rim protection numbers were amazing, right? They were absolutely fantastic they were like kind of destroying freshman records for for all these for all these advanced metrics uh, around the rim uh but every single time i saw like was pulling a, a number for chet he would always be second because walker kessler was like always <laughs> always better and i was like all right like i, I kind of just by like by the transitive property have to believe that walker kessler is going to be an amazing defender because every single thing i'm pulling right now that i'm you know waxing poetically about chet about it's like Walker's actually a little bit better um, in college. So it's been really cool to see him translate that to the NBA. And uh, gosh, he's, I mean, Wolves fans got to be, got to be pretty uh, stressed out about trading baby Gobert for Gobert and, you know, all the draft picks and everything else. Like, man, it would have been nice to just hang on to not $40 million Walker Kessler. Forget the trade in totality. Would you would you today do Rudy Gobert for Walker Kessler? Oh man, I mean, like obviously, in my opinion, Rudy assuming still better, assuming it could actually obviously that trade couldn't really be done, right, right, right. Like the contracts, but like let's just say in a vacuum, player for player. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're considering if you're considering like contract and longevity and age and everything, like I think Walker Kessler is a more valuable asset, which yeah. is which is tough, but I, I mean, listen, it's got to be said. Yeah. So I don't want to go on some big tangent about, you know, Walker and Rudy or whatever, although it's fun. Um, yeah, trade it's been will, done. Yeah, the trade will always be fun to look back on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to throw you a guy that's in my next tier. Um, I, again, these guys aren't ranked or anything, just a guy. Jalen Williams. Um, nice. Yes, I love I, I really like him. I liked him going into the draft. I didn't know a ton about him. I'm sitting here trying to watch some stuff on, like, my Synergy account. And I see Kevin O'Connor like raving about him. And I'm like, okay, so I really need to, I should probably look at this guy more. You know, KOC is good. Like, I'm like, okay, you know, like this guy's getting more lottery traction. I watch him and I'm like, I love this. I think he's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he's been that for OKC. Like, he's been a very good starter, just like a, like, really is like a Swiss Army knife type guy. Um, Great cutter, great sense of when to cut, finishes well. Um, 84th percentile at the rim and 89th percentile on cuts. Uh, some of the defensive stuff, you know, it's hit or miss at times, but like for a rookie, pretty freaking good. Um, mm-hmm. How have you felt about him to this point? I think he's great. Yeah. I, a lot of, a lot of pressure has been on him on both ends of the ball to like, yes, do a lot They They've been putting a lot on his shoulders and uh, I think he's been doing a really good job. Like his defensive versatility has been awesome. I mean, he has like a, his arms are like 5,000 feet long. So <laughs> he's able to, he's able to guard up 
very uniquely, which has been needed for OKC because they're they like don't have anybody over six foot seven. Um, so he's been awesome with that. Uh, the playmaking has been really exciting. Some of the interior scoring has been fun. His shots been heating up a little bit lately as well. So he's a fun player. Like he's just one of these kind of combo guard wings that can just do it all. Uh, and that's rare for a young player. And I'm excited. I'm just excited about OKC in general. I think their, their young core is, is awesome. Uh, and he's going to be a part of it for a long time. Super versatile in every sense of the word. I, I think they could have really done some damage. I don't know about like top four or anything, but if Chet was playing this year, um, mm-hmm. I didn't think the lack of a big is like the only thing really that's kind of holding this team back at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be fun to definitely keep an eye on. Um, you said that you had two in this tier, right? Mm-hmm. Who's your other? So my other, uh, he's just been. A little one trick pony, but I think the scoring has been so impressive that you have to put him in there as Benedict Matherin. Yeah. Um he's he's been really, really impressive as as an offensive player. Um and I just he's just gonna be a guy who averages twenty five a game like forever. Uh and he's been really good this season. So he would be he would be right there for me. And then that like third tier would be kind of like a longer list of of dudes. Yeah. Uh Matherin, literally one of the best guys are drawing fouls in the entire league yeah uh, I thought it was funny because one time on jm I'm, I'm an avid listener to jj reddick's podcast and he mm-hmm. had tyrese on tyrese halliburton because he's like somehow associated with the pod or something so he kind of comes on frequently and tyrese was talking this was like probably a month maybe two months ago uh-huh. he said that in training camp uh matherin was like driving to the room and like kind of being like that's foul and they were like bro you're a rookie like you're not gonna get all <laughs> And here he is over halfway into his rookie Funny. season, 99th percentile in drawing fouls. <laughs> like, and mm-hmm. so Tyrese was laughing about that because he was like, you know, we didn't think that would happen, but you're doing it. Uh, Matherin also uh, kind of a lower number. I didn't actually mark it down, but I remember looking at it. I think it was like in the higher 20s, lower 30s, 96th percentile in defending ISOs. I just think it's like it's fun to look if a guy's willing to take on a defensive challenge. Right. Like, obviously, I'm not trying to sit here and, you know, tell the audience that Benedict Matherin is a great defender, but it's promising knowing that he's willing to give effort on that end. Um, mm-hmm. He's also, you know, just being athletic and stuff and his size could be, could be a good defender there. Um, the one thing that's kind of concerned me a little bit is his first 20 games, he was shooting 40% from three. Um, right. the last 26, it's 23.4% from three. Mm-hmm. I think down to about 32, 33% from three on the season. Um, I'm definitely keeping an eye on that, but I'm not, that's not for me to say that I'm like concerned about him. Like I still think he's a good scorer, but that's I I would like for him to be an above average three point shooter. Absolutely, and I think the shooting is there. I think he the showed it in college, and the confidence is there. <laughs> and I like his mechanics. I think he's good. Like I I think he's going to be a good volume shooter uh, for a pretty decent portion of time. Uh, and the foul drawing that's the one thing that's been. I've been pretty impressed. Like he, the, he does this thing where he just drives and just jumps into people's chests. And it's just like, all right, well he puts the ref in a spot where it's like, he's yeah. got a call something. <laughs> and he kind of like goes in like sideways with his shoulder and jumps in and then like uses his body as a shield and then just kind of flips up a shot. And sometimes he gets the foul called pretty often. And then when he doesn't, he still has a shot to make it. 
Uh, and that's been impressive. And I think that Indiana team is just brilliant to watch and I love it. And uh, yeah, I, I like uh, Hallie on the, the JJ pod. I've been trying to weasel my way, my way into the JJ pod, you know, as uh, he, he used my stats live on ESPN uh, a couple weeks back and then he didn't drop the name. Right. So I dropped something. I can't even remember what the stat was. And he was like, he used something that was like oddly specific that I had tweeted earlier. And I was like, huh, Kind of sounds like uh, kind of sounds like that's the stats I tweeted today. I think JJ might have just used it on the ESPN broadcast, and then he commented on Twitter and was like, "Yeah, I used it. Sorry, I should have mentioned your name." And I was like, "All right, JJ, I'm gonna slide in your DMs now that you did that." Yeah, <laughs> but I'll keep you updated on that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think Matherin's. Uh, I think Matherin's really been been a really solid rookie, and and you can't you can't have him any lower than your second tier. I agree. Um, I, like I said, I've got two more names. Um, one is the one is the guy I talked about. I have a soft spot for the other is, you know, I get it if somebody doesn't have him in this tier, but I wanted to throw Keegan Murray in. Um, this is great. It's not the one I'm saying I have a soft spot for him and save him, save him for last, but Murray just, I just feel like he deserved it because, you know, season stuff, it's 12 and four on 45, 42, 81 splits. But it's like shooting six threes a game, being the floor mm-hmm. spacer he is, 43% above the break, like 41% in the corners, it really excelling um, off of Sabonis stuff, whether it's, you know, DHOs or mm-hmm. he's just as, a, as a screener, just as he already has the ball. Um, he's actually in the 98th percentile in PNR, as the PNR ball handler, including passes. Um, really good coming off screens, 91st percentile in catch and shoot. He's leading all rookies in three-pointers made by 33 threes. Jabari Smith in second. So he can hit 110. Jabari's at 77. Um, I just like considering the King's success and how efficient and, and of a prolific three-point shooter Keegan has been to help that and help their offense. Like in the last two weeks, the Kings have like 130 offensive rating or something, and they're mm-hmm. like top offenses on the season. I just wanted to recognize him just for that, especially just kind of – kind of considering like I think a lot of people have to get, sit back and remember like this pick was criticized when it happened from right. like, a lot of the public so not everybody obviously but like a big a big portion of people so I just wanted to highlight him and kind of throw him in there because like what he's done for them has been sensational and helped them tremendously for um, sure. and then my last guy that I just really have a soft spot for he was one of my favorite players coming into the draft is Jaden Ivey um, nice. 15, four and four on the season, 41, 32, 72 splits, obviously some efficiency is to be desired there. I just think that like what I'm seeing is going to translate so well with Cade and it's a shame yeah. Cade got hurt and is out for the year. Cause you're really having to watch a combo guard, try to figure things out yep. on basically what's might be the worst team in the league since Cade is out for the year. And so that's hard on like anybody, and 100%. so to me, it's just like I don't have a lot of the stats from other players to kind of like throw out and be like, hey, this is this. To me, it's just like I'm watching it and I just for me, I think it's going to translate so well with Cade. But just a, fo- a few fun things. He's actually in 97th percentile on drawing fouls. Um, Kind of funny that this many rookies are like actually. Yeah, it's weird. I was like that. Um, Ivy's actually very active on the glass for a guard. And that's not always a necessity, but it's cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is somewhat promising to me. Ivy on 63 open catch and shoot looks actually has synergy. I can't look at like three point percentage, but 
from mm-hmm. my perspective, but 66.7% effective field goal percentage, which really mm-hmm. good. And to be, I would assume a lot of these are threes. I can't say right. watch all of them or anything, but 79th percentile on open catch and shoot stuff. So for a guy that people would consider a non-shooter, I think that's promising. Um, so I, I just, I felt, I'm, I think I'm always until maybe it looks just gets bad to a point. I think I'm going to naturally throw him in this kind of tier. Yeah. I think he's right there in the tier for me, at least the tier below with, with the, you know, the AJ Griffins of the world and the, the Keegan Murray's and the Jeremy Sohan's and the, the Jalen Duran's and the Jabari Smith's. Like, I feel like they're all sort of, for me, at least in a somewhat similar, like, Hey, these guys are good. Like, yeah. and they're going to be good. <laughs> for a long time and in, in different, you know, different tiers as their careers kind of go their own way. But I think they're all in a similar, like, all right, we can definitely see they're going to be starters in the NBA for a while, at least. Yeah. Um, and Ivy's fun. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys where like the athleticism is super obvious. Um, it hits you over the head. You feel Jaden Ivy when you, you know, when he's on the court and that's something, there's something to be said for that. Like there, there's something about imposing your will, um, that is, that is difficult to do and is really important. And that's, that's something that scales in a playoff setting more than other skills t- typically. Uh, and I'm excited for, for what him and Kate look like as a yin and yang as like, Kate's kind of just like tactician sort of surgical kind of guy on offense. who's just in there and, and making quick, quick moves and sort of doing his thing. And then Jaden is just like, all gas, no brakes, just like, let's go. I'm just going to hurl myself into this thing. And like, we're going to blast away in transition. And I'm going to take really deep threes, even though I'm not making them. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Jaden Ivy. I wasn't like my, my pre-draft scouting actually had Keegan slightly ahead of Ivy, which is unusual for a lot of people, but you know, me and the Kings we're we're tight like that. And I, I just I think Keegan is just going to be an efficiency bomb his entire career. Um, and he already is. And like he had a terrible first month. He had some like personal tragedy going on and some other stuff. And like he couldn't shoot at all. So if you like took away like October, early November, his shooting is insanely great. In, in and I January, he's shooting like 50 percent. Yeah, right. Right. So I think he's going to just be like an, an elite like number two and a half on a really good team long-term kind of like in that Chris Middleton range of guy. Uh, and Ivy, I think his ceiling is a little higher, but I'm not sure about his median outcome as much, but I, I think regardless, he's, he's going to be a fun player to have for a long time. Yeah. Ivy, I, of course, the people that are probably listening to this and follow, you guys know, I do like my, my award ladders every week. And I, I finally took Ivy out of my top three in the rookie of the year. Thing. I mean, top five. And and it, it was it hurt me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> He'll learn his way back. <laughs> um, now just going through some quick hitters. Um, who have been some of the bigger steals or highest value guys for you that we have not mentioned? Like obviously Kessler could be in that, but like right, who right. Yet who are some of those for you? Who's one? We'll kind of bounce back and forth off each other. Um, ooh, this is a good one. I like Malachi Branham. I like him too. I didn't. Um, yeah. His defensive metrics are like all time terrible, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, but like, it's sort of hard to tell because the Spurs defense is just so terrible in general that, yeah. you know, it's hard to separate him from, from the system, but I like what he's shown offensively. He's super young. 
that's one. Um, and so is Sohan. And like, uh, we've mentioned him briefly. I love Jeremy Sohan. I think he's amazing. Um, but he was, he was picked too high for me to choose him for this. But I like what Brandon brings. I think he's got some TJ Warren kind of like professional score, get to my spots, athletic, mid-range, like three-level scoring kind of guy um, with a good body and long arms. And that's pretty enticing to me. Like that kind of player is like, all right, I think I think this guy's going to have a role in the league for for quite some time. And he's going to just continue to up his efficiency. But he's going to be the type of dude that like he'll just win you a game by going off. Uh, And then maybe, you know, the consistency will take some time. But I'm really impressed with with what he brings to the table. Yeah. Around Christmas time, like after Christmas, at one point, uh, I was watching a Spurs game and. You know, I was getting sort of been intrigued by like the Bronham stuff. And mm-hmm. I kind of went and looked like I was like, okay, I want to look at some stuff for him. And the numbers, like, since he like actually got a rotation spot, they're intriguing. And like, so totally agree that Bronham is like a guy that definitely could be a high value guy, like on anybody's list. Um, my first one I'm going to throw to you is I know he was picked 13th, but it's Jalen Duran. And yeah, it's my beast. reasoning is like, I thought he was a top 10 pick. Um, I was kind of shocked, especially when I kind of understood it made more sense afterwards, especially with Mike Schmitz being in Portland. But like, I mm-hmm. thought Duran was like a seventh pick Blazers guy. I thought that was kind of like set in stone. Um, didn't happen. Then I was like, okay, this dude is still sliding. Then I was like, he's falling right into Charlotte's lap and they need a center. And then they picked him and then they traded him. And, yeah. you know, I was like home run for Detroit. So I don't, he's just, you know, double double machine one day, very active. We're going to be one of the best rebounders in the league probably one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked him there. Uh, who's another one for you? Briefly on Duran, I just think he's a lot of fun. And I think his offense is a little bit underrated, like as a prospect. And I think his defense is maybe a little bit overrated as a prospect because you see big, athletic, strong guy and you think, oh, great defender. Yeah, uh, but I think his offense is actually really impressive. Like his finishing, uh, his work on the O glass is awesome. Like he's going to be stealing possessions left and right uh, for for Detroit for a while. Um, and he's just such a freak athlete. He has amazing hands. He can catch like any lob. He's dunking everything. Like he leaves nothing to chance. Like he is. He's going to just dunk on your head. And yeah. that's something that's kind of weirdly rare uh nowadays and uh i think his physicality he's gonna just bump people off of him and working off of Caden ivy for a long time i think he's actually gonna sneakily be a really impressive and useful offensive player despite the shooting um because some of his playmaking is actually pretty decent too like i like his awareness uh i think he's a great player um i feel like we got to talk about andrew nemhard a little bit because he's on my list because that dude has been awesome and i remember it's funny because i'm a i'm a gator i'm a university of florida graduate and um i actually attended school while nempard was there and i remember watching him because he went he ended up at gonzaga but uh i remember watching him while he was at uf and thinking like man like i feel like every time andrew nempard has the ball think good things happen and like he wasn't super flashy he was kind of just doing his thing but i was like i feel like he's no one why is no one talking about him being like really excellent like that was always my thought but i was like maybe it's just because he's boring and then he transfers he goes to gonzaga super good at gonzaga but kind of overshadowed you know like everybody oh we got jalen suggs and chet but he was a driving force of elite teams and then he was awesome in the pre-draft process from what i've heard like he was just like busting dudes chops at the uh combine and then he gets picked pretty late 
Uh, and now he's coming in and he's really good. <laughs> like, he, yeah. what do you know? Like he just keeps playing winning basketball and he's a sneakily really impressive defender. Yes. Uh, and then he's just under like complete control offensively as such a young player. I think he's, uh, I think he's a lot of fun and he's going to be probably part of their rotation for, for a while. I agree. Um, anytime that you can get a guy that has started for the majority of the year in your late in the early second round, just crazy at all. Yeah. I mean, that's always high value in a bank for your buck where you got him. Um, like you said, really good defender. Um, I just like how he fits with him. Like it's, it seems good both on the court and on paper going forward. So yeah, um, definitely a good pick. I had him on there too. Another guy for me is AJ Griffin. I thought he was for sure lottery when he was when it was the draft uh-huh. process. I couldn't believe that he fell to 16. Like that's the guy. Like I know I was talking about Duran earlier and like oh right. Griffin was the guy for me. It's like, how are you falling to 16? Yeah, um, it had to be the medicals. I think there's no other yes. like there's no other way that, that it was anything else to me. Yeah. Um I wish he played more, probably. Um yeah. like I, I get it. Some coaches are gonna be hesitant to play rookies, but I just feel like with what we've got in the sample size, like there's no justifying not playing it's good. Yeah. Um, just as efficient as he is and kind of given some more options. You know, I think, I think the Hawks are long overdue for a John Collins trade. It's just not working. Uh-huh. And it's not even anything really that I have to say bad towards like Collins or the collective group of other Hawks. Sure. It's just not worked. You know, like, I don't think it's the same type of, I don't think what McMillan's trying to do with like Trey and whatever else they do kind of coincides with what is most successful for JC. So, and actually, I think when I, I don't know if this is still the case, but I remember looking about a month ago and the lineup uh-huh. where you kind of look and it's like Trey, DeJounte, AJ, uh, Hunter, and Capella. I mean, they look really good. At least they did when I last checked. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how those have changed. Um, uh, I have one more guy on my list, but is there any, is there anybody else you want to highlight or do you want to talk about AJ some? Nah, go for it. My last guy is Christian Brown. Yeah, nice. I must said him. That's funny. I just, to be as late in the first round and to kind of help Denver in the way he has and just be this long rangy wing that's a good cutter, can space the floor. And, you know, as they brought in two guys specifically in KCP and Bruce Brown that have really helped them defensively, and Brown's been able to kind of help a little bit as well. Um, I just – I think he was a steal uh, in that sense. Yeah. I mean, it's not like – it's nice to have a rookie you can put on as a primary defender of, like, good – NBA players and he can yeah. sort of hold the zone, you know, and that, that's pretty impressive. And the, the energy he brings is very palpable. And if he can kind of figure out a shot long-term, he's going to be one of them like elite role player type guys. And I, I really like what he brings to the table. Also shout out Dyson Daniels. I mean, he was a pretty high lottery pick, but uh, in the minutes I've gotten to see of Dyson, his defense is awesome. And I feel like that just needed to be said. Yeah. Dyson, like I kind of like, it's been weird because, like, I agree when he's in, like, it's like, whoa, this defense is really good. Like, he's a he's a connector on offense. Like, it works, but they're just so deep, man. Yeah, like, it's hard. <laughs> they're just so deep, so it's hard. Like, so it's like, for instance, you start going through, like, rookie of the year stuff and all rookie teams, and you're like, I don't know if I can put him Not in. Not a spot for him, yeah. Because when you're at, like, I love him. I think he's going to be good, but, like, the four, three, and two stuff probably can't get you on an all-rookie team, especially with this class. Like, mm-hmm. And so even if it is a, hey, he looks good when you watch him, like you just can't almost, at least to this point. Um, yeah. So, but, but yeah, I agree. Uh, totally. He's, he's panned out at least um, for what they picked him at. Um, 
Yeah, uh, my next category kind of question is, and I don't really want to talk a bunch about these guys because you just never know like what's going to happen in their, in their career, but it's really who's disappointed and obviously plenty of time. And some might be situations, some might be that, but like I have three names in particular, and I think the first is pretty obvious, and it's Johnny Davis. And it's just kind of sure. like it's just you got picked 10th and you're just not serviceable at all right now. Right. I, I um, Is there a name that – pops up in your mind um yeah well i mean yeah john davis is definitely the the one that is <laughs> is clear which is a bummer and like i mean clearly his confidence is like pretty much completely shut out which is sad um i have two that disappointment is strong but like it's disappointing considering how amazing memphis's front office normally is is laravia and roddy i think have Fair. both been not great um, Roddy's gotten a lot more minutes than Laravia, but also Roddy's been like mostly bad. Um, which you know he's a rookie; you're allowed to be mostly bad. Uh, but I, you're, you're just so used to Memphis hitting on these guys, and then they come in and they're like immediately good. And they're both older rookies; they're both 21. Um, so I just expected a little bit more. I was thinking like, oh man, Roddy, like of course, like they got a like weird body guy who's gonna like come in and be an amazing shooter and play Grant Williams type defense, and like this is gonna be perfect because Memphis is perfect, and uh, it hasn't quite panned out the way that I would have hoped. So far, they got plenty of time. Yeah, Roddy has been a little better since like the first disastrous month or whatever it was. Right, that was kind of like that was unfortunate circumstance, like all the injuries Memphis had. You know, Jaron already mm -hmm. out. Bane goes out as soon as the season starts. Like, Zaire was out. And so they were just kind of having to throw some of those rookies into the fire. And, like, right. I mean, you can't expect it, most of those guys, especially, like, you know, Roddy was picked, like, 21st or whatever. Like, that's not expected for you to come in and immediately. Right. It's a game. And so part of it was that. Uh, but, yeah, I totally agree. Like, you know, I think a lot of people were thinking, hey, Memphis, like, you know, they traded DeAnthony Melton, which I understand the guard rotation was heavy, but, like, they traded DeAnthony Melton to, like, take this guy. And right. so kind of just assumed with, like, their draft department, okay, I trust them. This is going to be pretty good. And we'll see, like you said. But, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, my two, one is not quite his fault. Um, he's not been played, and he's actually looked fairly decent now that he's been playing a lot more recently. It's Mark Williams, um, and it's – like I said, it's really not his fault at all. It's just the fact that, like, hey, you picked a lottery – you used a lottery pick, and this guy doesn't play. Um, and then Dale and Terry for Chicago. I didn't even understand that one whenever it happened. <laughs> sure. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, that one's been – he's been a little non-existent. I think Ochai Baji's been a little uh, disappointing as well just because he's old. And yeah. if you're old, you gotta be you gotta be good. <laughs> like you can't be just like four years older than some of these guys and then be producing less than them. So I would have liked to see more from him, but I also wasn't an Ochai guy coming into the draft. So you know, whatever backs up my priors is <laughs> is is okay by me. <laughs> yeah. Um I actually almost like had Jabari in here, but then I was like, that's so unfair because he's just in a situation where like they he's been like literally he's been yeah. much recent like the the more I thought about it, I was like, you're unfairly treating him here because he's being put in positions that he's not like, that's not his, even his game like right. offensively. And like, now he just looks more comfortable and like, it looks better on a regular basis. Uh -huh. Inconsistency. Also, like, like most rookies is going to be there at times, but like, 
Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I like him on both ends. So there's there was no way for me that actually whenever I was going back over this that I could put him in here. Yeah, um, he's been pretty much exactly what I was thinking he would be right away, which is he's limited, right? He's a little yeah. limited offensively, and he can shoot. And he had a really bad first month of shooting, which weighs down his numbers. But overall, he's been a pretty good shooter. I think he's going to be a great shooter long term, like really, really, really good. Um, and I think he could play some D and like the D is kind of comes and goes because he's not the most physical defender. Uh, he's not the most physically gifted guy in general. He's big and he can move, which is a, an amazing start. Um, but as far as just like he needs some time to fill out, he's not like mature, like an early mature, like a Duran or a Paolo. Like he's he's not like that. He's kind of got a boy body still. Um, so it's just going to take him some time. I mean, he's he's young. He was like a year younger than Chet and Paolo and them uh the other top guys so it makes sense that he was worse uh coming out of the draft and i think he's going to be good and that system's a little weird with everybody just creating for themselves but he's not much of a self-creator uh and if people aren't going to create for him right now then it's going to be problematic and we're going to get a whole lot of you know either just catch and shoots or just sort of like face up jab step fadeaways from the mid-range and that's pretty much uh that's pretty much what we're getting and I'm I'm expecting him to continue hitting a lot of those as time goes on, but I, I think he's he's just a little bit limited in in that right now. So I'm mean, I'm interested to see what he adds to his game and if he has the opportunity to add much to his game playing on Houston. Yeah, uh, that system's not really a system; it's more of a dumpster fire. <laughs> system um, might be, uh, yeah, might be a little gracious <laughs> of a term. I'll <laughs> uh, I'll love Rockets fans. I think they're just as frustrated as I think NBA. I mean, I can only certainly from their perspective, but yeah, it's not been pretty. Um, and then I'm just real quick with these guys who's not like in a consistent role on their team that I'm still kind of keeping an eye on. I have a few names here. Jaden Hardy, Blake Wesley, he's been hurt, but it's just uh-huh. intrigued by him out of the draft. Uh, the other Jalen Williams, J, uh, J. Will, <laughs> yep. um, Uzman Jang, Marion Bochamp, and Patrick Baldwin. Nice. Shout out to Shaden Sharp as well, since we yes, haven't talked about him. Yes, he's not Sharp. I have um, a, a yeah. miscellaneous rookie thing. He was just like, he didn't fit in any of these. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the like could have a larger role, but he's also played 800 minutes, so... It's not like he hasn't played at all, but he's, uh, I mean, he can fly. I mean, that's, that's pretty much my, he can fly and he has a, an interesting self-creation jumper game. And that's pretty much all I got for him. His defense is pretty terrible and he has like no high level reps until this year. So the fact he's even able to get on the court, super impressive. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's my shade and sharp take. Yeah. Uh, last guy I want to give a shout out to just because his name's not been mentioned is just shout out Tari's. And I mean, he played. Yeah. yeah. That's he's a good point. He's a workhorse. Um, I mean, I, he got his first start the other night, like looked okay. That's out the Tari, man. He can't hit, he can't hit the broadside of a barn on a layup, but his defense is awesome. He's disruptive out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they need more of that. So you'd think that he would play more, but again, nobody knows what's going on over there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gotta get those eric gordon minutes up you know S- sustain that trade value it's, eke one more know, second round pick out of uh your they're so pick. they're so bent on that first round pick um, <laughs> it's not happening yeah I don't, yeah I don't know who's gonna tell them that at this point you're probably <laughs> not getting a first round pick for eric gordon but you're waiting yeah. it maybe play um, your young guys yeah okay. <laughs> um last topic man let's move to all-stars we could sit here and talk all day about them, but it's honestly not worth it to have like some lengthy conversation. 
but it's all for fun. You know, we're also not actually the ones voting on this or anything, unless we did our fan vote for, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I, I've accounted for one vote. Yeah, me too. I don't, I don't go in there and do it all the time. I don't do the three for ones. I just, I got my one in and I was like, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> did my civic duty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk locks first. If you have a lot or if you have a few, um, I actually have, let's see, I think I have eight on each side that I consider a lock. Give me uh, give me your locks. I want to hear them, and I'll disagree with you if I, uh, if I hear anything crazy. Let's go east first. Um, my east locks are Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, and Bam Adebayo. All right, I feel pretty good about that. I'm trying to think if there's anybody who I would, who I would argue is missing. I think all of those should certainly be locked in as guys who are, are on the team. Yeah, I feel good about that. I who are I, your who are your on the bubbles? Here's where it gets tough. Obviously. Um, oh, what about wait? Did you say Jalen Brown? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. My bad. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, those those were my eight. And then so my starters, let's go ahead and go east here. Um, my starters, obviously, you have to fit the restrictions. So it's two guards, three front court. I ended up, and I don't mind if somebody has Brown, but I ended up going. I think Donovan Mitchell is a starter no matter what. Definitely. I elected I elected Kyrie as the other guard. I'm totally right. somebody has Jalen Brown. Um how about I, Tyrese Halliburton? I I struggle with it. And I'm actually I may shock you here. He's not on my all-star team. Really? Wow, that is love, shocking. And I love Tyrese to death, but like, and I'm probably like, I'm still kind of stressing about it because there's multiple names and I'm like, oh my gosh, he didn't make it. He actually did not make my list. Um, my other starters are Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. I had Giannis coming off the bench, and right, I think me too, I, which is like insane. I think like on, I don't like how that works because it's like all four of those guys should in theory be a starter. Right. But it is the current format, so it is what it is. Um, I just think the efficiency stuff with Giannis, even though he's awesome, uh, I think those three guys have kind of earned to start over him. I agree. Um, my guys off the bench in the East, Pascal Siakam. Uh-huh. Um, I ended up going James Harden, and I am totally fine if somebody has like a few names over these last few guys. I didn't I don't have Pascal as a lock, but I felt confident in that one. Yeah. Um, these last three are the ones where I'm like, dude, you tell me a few names and I'm not even going to argue with you. Like these three names right. are going to be in my list. And it's James Harden, Drew Holiday, and Trey Young. Wow. All right. See, I think people would have might have a, have an issue with Trey Young over Tyrese. And I get point. it. I get it. Um, I just I struggled with it a lot. I uh -huh. looked I looked at how the Hawks are absolutely terrible. When Trey Young's not playing, and I get it. The, the Pacers sure. are absolutely he's been good lately. Chris Halliburton's not playing. Yeah, but I struggled with it a lot. But I ended up taking. <laughs> I can see the toll it's taken on you. It's really, uh, <laughs> it's really uh, you, you're wearing it on your face, certainly. <laughs> yeah, so I've obviously struggled with it. Um, my other four that I kind of wanted to point out, obviously Tyrese, and the other one that basically I was struggling with. You know, like I said, I put Harden in, but I don't care if other people put him in. But mm -hmm. it came down to three names for my last spot. And it was Trey, Tyrese, and DeMar. Um, and I literally don't care 
who's like like I said, I've got my I've got my nine in there, and I don't care. Uh-huh. After, um, we were in agreement of the locks. Uh, obviously, I think from kind of talking with you, Tyrese is in there for you. <laughs> yeah, I had I had Tyrese over Trey. I had Trey out. Um, I actually had Harden and Holiday out as well. Okay. Um, I had Demar in, and I had Jalen Brunson in. Brunson is um, yeah. Brunson and Jimmy Butler were my other two that like I put them up here just kind of like mm-hmm. thinking about them, but I just I just couldn't quite get there. Yeah. yeah, but yep, that was where I ended up landing. But again, like that, those got every name you named were the exact guys that were on mine, and it was just it was just pulling teeth to figure it out. And I was like, you know what? Like, let's give one to Brunson. He's been leading that team. The Knicks are good. He's been amazing in the clutch. Uh, and Demar is kind of everything for the Bulls. So that was kind of just where I landed. But I'm not mad at Drew or Harden's been awesome. It was just more of a games thing with Harden. So I get it. That was that was kind of where I ended landing. Yeah. Um. And I'm I'm totally with JJ Reddit. He kind of hopped in and was like, "Why do we not have 15 spots on an All Star team?" Like I get it. It messes with <laughs> right. and also like this is a 30 team league now with a talent pool, unlike you know, we've ever seen. So yeah, 12 seems a little ridiculous when you actually have to perform this exercise every year. Yeah. Um, it's fun and, though, you know, it makes it hard. And it's just as hard when we go to the West. <laughs> okay. My West locks, obviously Jokic, obviously. Yep. Luka. Um, I also have John Morant, Shea Gildas, Alexander, LeBron, yep. Steph, Monte Sabonis. Yep. And Larry Markinen. Um, those were my eight locks. Was there anybody else that you feel, hey, I think they're a lock in the woods? Um, I've heard he's coming back now. I feel like Anthony Davis is a lock if he gets a couple more games under his belt here. Like, well, he's that's... on my all-star team. I just didn't want to call him lock because I sure to make sure that this like sticks out. You know what I'm saying? I anticipate right. being back this week playing until the all-star break. I think he's been so good as well. So it's just like. I didn't want to call him lock yet, but I'm totally with you. If he plays till the all-star break from now forward, yeah, he's a lock. Like whenever we actually get to that. Point. Right. And then um, did you say Lillard? Dame is not a lock for me. Okay. Yeah. Lock might be strong, but I think he's probably in there. Is he not on your list? He is not on my West team, but again, one of those like last consideration. Ones. Uh-huh. Um, for me, I have so my starters are Jokic, Luca. Uh-huh. Or I'll just, from guard. So Luca, I started SGA. Got to. Um, I think he's deserving of it over Curry. Um, LeBron. Yep. Sabonis and Jokic. Yeah. Um, Same. I just I just think don't I think Domus has been so awesome. Like, uh, he's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to put him in there. So yeah, those are my bench, five. Off the bench, obviously the guys I called locks: Ja, Steph, Larry Markinen. And yep. then we talked about it. I have Anthony Davis here. This is the tricky one. The other forward court uh-huh. player. So my list came down to four guys as to who was going to get the front court spot. All right. I want to hear who your front court guy is here. Well, there's, I mean, there's options, right? It's, it's the cool. health thing. The health thing is tough. I ended up landing on Zion because I think. I, I think Zion's just the best player. I know the health thing is there, and I just, you know, dinged 
Harden for it, but I think the guards are, you know, the or even the wild card players are deeper in the East than they are in the West, and I just felt good about Zion being my guy. I get it, and I'm probably making a very homer pick here. I'm also anticipating, I don't know, I mean, Zion could come back for all I know, but, like, just since he's out right now, I'm going to continue to be out at least for a little bit. And the way that this guy's been playing, I picked Kawhi. Wow. And I'm sure that's not very popular, like, if you went around. I just think the level of play ever since that jank first month where he was coming off the bench and <laughs> right. dealing with was dealing with, good. with more injury yes. stuff. I mean, it's been to the level of like top ten guy, like maybe cracking top five, six guy. Like yeah, especially in the new year. Yeah. It's been amazing. And so kind of of the small assumption of like this will keep up along right. with right. Cause in the last like I think it's twenty twenty one or twenty two games. He's only missed five, and it's because of back-to-backs, which is totally normal Kawhi, like playing in every game that's not a back-to-back. And so right. if, that's, if that's the case and he keeps playing up here until this point whenever stuff has to be finalized, like I, I think that's hard to like – I'm not saying leave him out, but like I think it comes down to those two. Yeah, that's very fair. And I think he still – I think he still probably ends up on the team, especially if he's playing the way he's been he, he for could. the last month. Yeah, yeah. and – I think um, he's got a shot. Yeah, the other two that I looked at, but ultimately it turned into Kawhi versus Zion. You know, I looked at Paul George and, and uh, Aaron Gordon. Uh-huh. I just think they're both having very respectable seasons that are kind of both, I think, low-key flying under the radar a little bit, especially, uh-huh. especially Aaron Gordon, just considering nobody's ever really viewed him as, like, a potential all-star guy. Right. Well, not been to this point, but, like, you know, more so great. Paul George, it's like people are probably going to look at him every year. Whereas, right. like, AG is the name that's like, I really want to show the respect here because of how good of a year it's been. Yeah, um, but those neither one of those two actually ended up making my all star game and Zion actually ended up not making it just kind of of the wow. presumption of like, I don't know if he's even going to play until the all star break. That's fair. Yeah, right. That's right. why. I mean, if this guy's back next week and is playing again, yeah, I think he has to get on there. Um, But my last two picks ended up being Devin Booker. I just think what he's done got to be. Yeah, has to be, and I went with De'Aaron Fox. It's just kind of a respect thing. Like you're, you're, you're the three seed, and it's not just Sabonis; it's you too. Yeah, it's Fox is a great choice, and I think it. I think it's probably Fox's right now, and I think for me at least, I think Kawhi will probably take his spot by the time the All Star break comes around. That's kind of where I land. Yeah. Like, I think if it comes down to, like, what we were talking about, like, Zion's back soon and, like, Kawhi keeps playing well, I think right. it's for Fox to keep that spot. If both of those guys, if things go their way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would be hard. Um, so, yeah, I think – so our West is, like, basically – and Dame got consideration from me as, like, another guy. Um, our Wests are very similar. I mean, you obviously expect these to be fairly similar, like – you know, like we said, there's there was eight locks in our opinion on each side. Like there's only four spots after that. Right. <laughs> but yeah, fairly similar. Um, it'll be interesting to see who actually gets it. Um, you know, the starters is 50% van fan vote, 25% media, 25% coaches, and then the reserves is all voted on by coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they're gonna lean veteran. Yes, that's true. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting how it plays out. But hey, yeah, that's what we got fun. for today. Um, that's the end of episode 38 of the Coast to Coast podcast. Uh, Steven, appreciate you, man. This is round two of you being on here. Another fun experience. Always love keeping in touch with you. Appreciate you, man.
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'm excited for the next time. You know, we'll be at 100,000 followers by then. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, at this rate of growth, (laughs) it's speaking into existence. Hey, I love it. Hey, yeah, with that being said, this is the end of episode 38 of Postcode Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.